Alrighty, it's all over. A, a nice shift football red edition. Adelaide United have bowed out of the A-League finals. It's all over. Tommy's here with me. Cooper's here with me. Um, boy, a disappointing Wait. end to the season. Mm, wasn't it just? One win in seven, I think it was, to, to, to round it out. Mm. Um, but entirely predictable. Yep. We mentioned uh, we mentioned it a bunch of times on here, but our our roller coaster of a season isn't so much week to week. It's like it, it's very much in longer patches with a good couple of months and then a bad couple of months, and that's the way mm. it went. And we got ourselves into a bad couple of months, and we couldn't stop it. We couldn't stop the rut. It's the old drought, wet season, and we hit the drought at the exact wrong time. And we, you know. I think everyone alludes to it as an Adelaide fan when you get on the run of like 12, 13 unbeaten or whatever it was. And you're like, ah, oh, shit, this has to come to an end. And when it comes to an end, like we're screwed for six weeks. So where do we go from here? Yeah. And unfortunately, it happened. I mean, there were some injuries thrown in the mix and suspensions and like, sure. Yeah. You know, everything that a normal football team goes through, but the, the heights that we were at, uh, beating Wellington 5 0 at home to, you know, this. Yeah, very up and down season. Yeah. Um I want to start straight away with we talked last week big about um you know, if we go out and get absolutely pumped but we've tried something different and like gone balls to the wall 352 or even like a 442 just something different we would have been semi okay with it or at least understood it. You could quantify it in a way. This, you can't. This is what we said we'd be annoyed at, and we did it. We came out, we lined up the exact same uh, shape-wise or structurally. We talked about this. We did a, we did a pod at your place, Tommy, <laughs> Night Shift Headquarters, during this one the where we, we recorded live thoughts. There was a few drunken voices on that one, I tell you. Um, uh, a listener today told me that it was, quote, interesting. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But Five yeah, stars, we, though, right? We went out same shape, and we were pretty pissed when we saw this lineup, weren't we? Um, yeah. I just want to, I just want to quote you in the NSF chat here. Here we go, Tom. Oh my god, a lineup. He's somehow made the same thing worse. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I couldn't believe it. We we were joking in the build up, so who can't wait for Ben Wallen at centre back and Izzy Dorigo to play deep holding midfield. And it just, they fucking, they did it exactly again. Except this time they thought, shit, you know, you know what will really piss them all off? Let's play the horrendously out of form Halloran as a striker. Let's line up in a semi final where we need a goal without a striker. And just cross the ball all fucking game. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's put the- a five foot nine player up front and just fucking swing it in when our six foot six striker couldn't score a header last week. Yeah, and also, in, also included uh, Popovich, who we were led to believe was out of favour with Carl for a while and struggling to get a gig and then out of nowhere, he's the one that comes in, not Barr. Um, Ansel's appears to be like dead once again. Was um, that not the most is Adelaide he in a cult? United? Was it not the most Adelaide United way to end a season? We randomly threw Nick Ansel in this lineup and and in a do-or-die game, he was, he was you know... In the traveling squad, and you know, not, not, no, never heard all week, nothing wrong with him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just wasn't even on the fucking bench. Do we know why? 
Supposedly, he supposedly, remember religious last, sect. last week we wondered why Hull brought him off in the 87th minute of that game randomly or whenever it was. Mm. He apparently injured his calf. And the only reason anyone knew that is because um, someone interviewed him on the Fox Sports broadcast after the game and asked, and he said, I've had a little bit of a twinge of my calf. Should be okay for next week. He indeed wasn't okay for next week. And um, I guess that's why. <laughs> Ambitious. Great shout, Nick. I'm so glad he kept himself on ice for next week. But he but he did. He played the next week. Because that was against Wellington. He played the next week against Central Coast. He played out the game in the 2-1 loss at Highmarsh. And then this week oh, I thought, wasn't in it. Oh, I thought Cooper said that happened on the weekend. What? No. Isn't he, aren't you saying? No, you're spot on. Yeah, you're spot on. He played out the game the week after. And... So, so I, guess, he, I, I guess I guess it was the after assumption. the Wellington game that he said that he had a perhaps, bit of a calf. Perhaps this calf injury just got worse. <laughs> It's come back. And not enough, it, not not injury. bad enough so that we didn't put him on the plane and take him with us instead of taking mm. someone that may actually have been able to play in the game. We just thought, you know, he can come. It's good for good for team. Yeah. Wow. Um, it is He's so Adelaide. Like you said, it is so Adelaide for that to happen. And um, but there's just I was completely baffled to see Popovich thrown back into the mix. As much as I like Popovich, it just seemed a completely irrational choice. I don't know if this is Carl's way of saying, look, I do change it up. Like, come on, mate. Oh, I was thinking something even more nefarious. Maybe he's like, see, I told you he wasn't ready for this. Oh, oh. Nah, he wouldn't do that. But well, you would hope not. Yeah. Um, infuriating to see this attempted shape, like go at it again. And once again, just get absolutely ripped to pieces by <laughs> Central yeah. Coast, and in particular, Sammy Silvera, who was taking the piss out of us. My biggest grief with this lineup was not starting Nestoria and Kunda. We said last week that this feels like we finally got a different scenario where starting him makes sense because we're already chasing a game. And I remember saying on the pod last week, if we bring him on 60 minutes in and the games are like the game could already be over, and we brought him on 60 minutes in and the game was already over and he looked fucking miserable about being brought on too. He didn't want to come on. And why would you? You're the most impactful player at this club this season in terms of being able to pull us out, you yeah. know, from from the dumps and you're not even given an opportunity to do it in in, in the biggest mm-hmm. the biggest stage in the biggest time for this club all season. No, I like I totally get that. I think I agree with you. I definitely wanted to see Aaron Quinn start. But is there like some credence to not putting this amount of pressure on a 17 year old at this time in his career? Yeah. Like, are we, yeah, but are we, are we going to see a better Aaron Kunda for the fact that we didn't overexert him and we didn't say, hey, we need you to get us out of this bind on the biggest occasion in, uh, you know, in the A League? Um, can you do it for us? And what if he doesn't do it? And then what happens? Like- then, then so be it. Because none of the other twenty-two blokes in the squad did it either. And that's yeah, but it's it's easier if Dishy and Ben Halloran don't do it because we don't expect them to do it. I just you don't you don't die with with your biggest and best card still in your back pocket. In a in a semi final second leg, you put everything on the table, and if you lose, you lose. But I just don't feel like we put everything on the table in this game. That's, yeah. No, no, it's uh, a tough. It's a tough call. I reckon there's some managers in the A League that would have done it, like Mike I think. I don't think I would have done it. I'm mm. not sure I would have 
I'm not sure my lineup would have been too different to this, although, you know, I would have, like, that's if we're going with this shape, if you're locked into that. I would rather we completely changed the formation and just went all out to try it because clearly we've played them three times this season. Three times they've, like, we haven't even looked like beating them, you know? Pretty much. Um, the last two, like, the two games during the season where they scored, like, four goals both times. Um mm criminal to just go into these next two games and then in particular this a second leg of a semi-final when you're already behind at the start um speaking of the start i wasn't aware until the commentators mentioned it that we kicked off we kicked <laughs> off, we kicked off we and then and then literally two seconds later <laughs> central coast had the ball and the we commentator actually- <laughs> said, "Commentator said a disaster of a start for Adelaide." And I was like, "What do you mean? They've just kicked off." We actually gave a corner away forty six seconds into this game after kicking off. Yeah, that's going to be a record. Criminal. Doesn't it spells danger for the rest of it? Yeah, um, I didn't have much hope for any of it after that. Um, back on more lineup stuff, I guess uh, later in the game. I know we just talked about Aaron Kunda coming on after sixty, but. One thing I was getting infuriated by was uh, the amount of time that Zach Clough was left out on the park. He was still on the field in the 81st minute and he had done nothing and looked like doing nothing. Um, Halloran played out the 90, which is just as infuriating, I guess. (laughs) Um, I'm honestly really just done with these two. I want to ask you about Zach Clough. I, I might have mentioned it on the pod the other day, but what's – I mean, were we so lulled into how shit he was that when he had a few semi-decent games, we all of a sudden thought he was a good player when he was just kind of playing – like he was just playing good for him? Yeah, what what dumbfounds me about the Zach Clough situation again here is that he was horrid at the start of the season and he couldn't find form. And for some reason he was playing on the right wing and Ethan Alligich, who was young and never seen before had the, had the 10 position where our, you know, visa English signing was supposed to be playing. And eventually, you know, Ethan went out of the side and Zach was brought into the 10 and then he found his, you know, this, this patch of form where we thought he was playing, you know, well or better, and he was helping us, you know, link things together. And then the injury comes along. He goes out of the side again. He comes back for the first leg against the Mariners, and he's back out on the right wing again. And I just I just can't fathom when a guy's only good form came in the position that we signed him to play in, why we continuously just put him out wide. Why couldn't we start Blackfoot, Blackwood up front and, and leave Ben out on the wing and play Clough in his natural position? Why do we have to put this guy whose only good form has come in one position out of position again? It makes zero fucking sense. It is completely tactically inept and it's just Carl all over again. You're exactly right. I said it to Jacob as well that was here and he was um, the one that was drunkenly interrupting on the podcast. He um, uh, relayed the exact same thing back to it. I was like, I remember you saying at the beginning of the season, why have we got Aliich in the middle and Clough out wide? And we line up the exact same way again. And that's a feature of uh, Carl Viet's management that he's not afraid to like tread on the same mistakes he's made. But then it 
it, it yields the same result. It's so frustrating. Like, yeah, Klopp should have been in the middle. You know, if we're experimenting, if we want to attack and go for this lineup, maybe you play Aligic and Dorigo together. I think we've seen them play together this season. I was pretty impressed with them. Like, that that's a, you know, a six and an eight, like a genuine, you can make them run and interchange and try and combat what Nisbet's doing in the middle, try and combat what Encolo and Silvera are doing drifting inside. You need... You know, I, I think you look at this situation, you think you need defensive-minded midfielders to combat the Mariners. Maybe you need to be able to put them on the back foot. Maybe you need to be able to nullify their guys in the middle of the park and beyond. And we don't we don't set up that way. Like, we don't really go out and try and press high on an opposition. Our best games are when we have the space to play with Isaias on the ball, who has room to move. And, you know, with for whatever reason, the opposition play a higher back line and we can drop it in over the top. When you get in this situation, we we just beaten, unfortunately. I just and I'm not I'm not sure what combination of lineup would have beaten the Mariners is what I'm getting at. My my thing here with Carl is, and you know, you both said just then you wouldn't have started Nestor. I said I would. If we go back to you know, Carl hasn't started Nestor, and he's probably got his reasons. He probably goes he might not have a full game in him, and if if things go right, we could end up in extra time. And if he hasn't got ninety in him, then he hasn't got hundred and twenty in him, so he might need to save him. But when we got to half time. And we were still in this contest. We're still only one goal down. I think you have to pull some sort of trigger that, not even if it's even if it's not Nesta, even if it's George, and you and you reshuffle. You had to bring Zach Clough if you were going to leave him on the pitch. He had to come back into the middle when we were still in this game. You know, we waited until we were four one down in this fixture to make that change and and bring Clough central and and put Nesta out wide and. It just doesn't make sense to me. If you're mm. going to have him in an inferior position and it doesn't work, why not get him off or get him in his position? Like one or the other. Stop. Just don't leave him out there. Yeah. I think that's what I was saying is that I would like to see Clough for another season, but actually play uh, as like an attacking midfielder or, you know, what whatever's going to best bring out his attributes. Because I think there's a decent player in there. Mm. I think I've seen enough of Clough, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. I just I don't want to go down the road again. I just we haven't seen it yet. When's it going to be? Um, mm. I don't know if either of you want to mention anything about Central Coast that hasn't already been said by us in the last few weeks. I think I we've, we've been quite magnanimous, haven't we? I mean, they're yeah. they're a good they're a fun team to watch and they're a fun yeah, team to play against. I enjoyed watching them. You know, yeah. if it wasn't against us, uh, it's a good well, brand of football. I question whether I think we bring because we're both of a similar mindset. I think we bring the best football out of each other. Like, I think you see the best kind of Mariners football when they play us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they kind, um, they kind of need us. <laughs> just um, just two notes on a stat from after the game that Paramount aired. Um, Danny Vukovic with the clean sheet against us now um, holds level with, I believe it's Michael Theo, the most clean sheets in the A-League era for any goalkeeper in the league. He's been, you know, fantastic for a long time. He was originally with the Mariners in a good era. And then he was in that really good Sydney team, stint in Melbourne, now back back on the coast. Um, great player, club captain, you know, opportunity to take him to a championship where it all began. It'll be a good story. Um, the other how, thing do you, I how do you, sorry, how, I was going to say, how do you rank him, Sammy? Vukovic, all-time Vuko. Pe- uh, keepers, yeah. In the A-League? Yeah, in the A-League, yeah. Fairly highly, I'd say. He would be. Yeah, five, quite definitely. Rating. Yeah, I've always quite liked him. 
I know we've given him shit the last few weeks because we were playing him, but <laughs> I've always quite liked him. Um, yeah, so good on him. Um, I just, sorry, sorry, I just wanted to know on. one last one last thing about that stat is the natural thing to do when you drop up a list on a screen, a little graphic for people to look at. It would be, you know, top five most clean sheets from keepers in the A-League era. Instead, we dropped a random top six and added an extra spot just so we could slot Andrew Redmayne in at the bottom of the list and, and get into the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sydney, of course they did. The Sydneyism of Australian football is never far away. I've made up a word there, but it fits. Um, I like it. Sydneyism. Yeah, it's a, the Sydneyism of Australian football is never. It's always around the corner. There's always something they could do to tweak it and get them in there. Um, where was I going to go next? Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Um, so news has just come out today in the fallout that uh, uh, not really directly to do with this game, I suppose, but uh, one day has been let go. Yeah, correct. Um, it looks like no. No contract. It looks like he potentially um wanted one and didn't get it. And there's been a little bit of potential nasties in the fallout. Um, I don't, you know, love Juande and his time, but I don't really know, you know, if this is purely contract related, which is the speculation that it is. I don't really know what he was expecting at the end of this season because yeah, free broken leg. I would have been upset to see us re-sign him, especially yep. taking up a visa spot. And now he's, you know, could be wrong. He's 37, 38 years old, coming off a broken leg. You'd be nuts to use a visa spot on him. Yeah, agree. Yep, 100%. That's like the brutal nature of having squad lists and like foreign caps. Like, yeah, he's, he's a good player. And like, um, I've enjoyed, I was going to, you know, I was going to ask what, what was your favorite one day moment? And then I tried to think about it and I was like, he was, he's not really like a moment player, is he? Because I couldn't really pull one out. But at the same time, I always felt assured and happy to see him in the squad. And I always thought he was going to do a good job. So, yeah, I just, um, I'm going to, I'm going to shit on a mate here for a second that I know. Jeez, here we go. I know, I know he won't, he won't listen to the podcast, but I've given him enough, oh, enough. I'll let him enough, know. I've given him enough shit in person about it. Um, Adelaide United had their, had their clear out and selling of sold off a lot of match worn and player issue kits and stuff at cheap prices the last couple of weeks. And um, I ended up watching the second half of this game at the Mosaic at our nice local pub down in Westlake's time. They were good enough to put it on the big screen for us. So I went down. Up um, the Mosey. Now, my mate had done some shopping at this end-of-season sale and he was wearing a Juande shirt that he bought from the sale for a, for a nice fee of, you'd think $15 for a Juande shirt from this match-worn player issue sale would be a quite, a quite a good buy. But considering it was one of the white T-shirts that the players wore out when they walked out the week after he broke his leg that said, <laughs> football is life with Juande and his number on the back of it, I thought it was a pretty shambolic purchase. Um, and, to, and not just to buy one, but to wear it down the pub to watch the game. Don't wear it. That's that's like, I love that. that. That's like those, um, you know, the advertiser was giving out free tees for people in the, in the Champions League final. That is so similar. You wouldn't wear that anywhere. I'm on board with it. Love that. Oh. Get around it. That's the only time you'd wear it. Ironically, oh. take the piss. Um, Another, Do you reckon he's sad that one day's leaving? <laughs> Can he still wear the shirt? Always. Um, 
another one I think like this really highlights like Juan Day. Uh, obviously we've got Izzy, Javi Lopez. Well, Izzy's Australian now, isn't he? But um, true. Uh the difference. I'm going back to Central Coast again, but the difference in the teams that are challenging and that are always at the final step, and it's always been the case in this league, are the teams with strong visa players impacting directly on games. And unfortunately, we don't have... Izzy has had his moments this year. I still think Izzy's an important part of the squad. He's probably too valuable to let go just now. I'd like to see him, his uh, his minutes be a bit more limited, though, to give other guys an opportunity to grow. But... Um, Javi Lopez is one that's completely dropped off a cliff that I wouldn't be too sad to see go either. No. Izzy is like the perfect guy to bring off the bench with 25 minutes to go. And we should get him into that part of his career, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think Izzy Izzy stays and we just, we let, you use a, well, he's obviously an Aussie now, but he stays and Mm. you let him retire as he wants to because he's going to be a fantastic piece of this club for a long time. He's trying, you know, the way he leads this team and, the way he plays the game, he strikes me as the kind of guy that could be really important on a coaching panel, or he could even be, you know, a future manager in in this league or at this club. And yeah, and who knows? Um, Interesting call. I like that. Javi, and we we haven't been that good with our club legends in the past as well, so it'd be nice yeah. to see us let one do do his dash. And I think, um, you know, Juan de Gon, Javi, probably in in my opinion, probably retires. Um, there was a lot of speculation that he was going to give it up last season and we were really desperate to keep him for another year because of the season that he had. But I think he had that, you know, that fall off that perhaps he predicted and, you know, it might be, might be time for him to wind it up. And with one day going, he might just, he might just be ready. Um, But geez, I think, like you said, we have to use these visa spots, don't we? We've just got to get them right. If we want to be competitive, it's, it's four semifinals in as many years now and we haven't gone to a grand final. Um, if you're going to be competitive, you've got to get these right. And, you know, the Mariners, a lot of people talk about Cummins and, and how good he's been. But how fantastic is Marco Tullio as well? He just They just hit the nail on the head with two strikers. And essentially, they've shown that if you have two, two guys that can consistently put the ball in the net because they're a cut above, it doesn't really matter what you have behind them. You know, they've got a lot of players that a lot of other A-League clubs didn't see fit to be in their sides. You know, James McGarry's and, and guys like that that play important roles purely because they've got guys at the front that if you give them a, if you give them an opportunity, they'll put it away. Yeah. Um, I think I've got more, I guess we've, we've got more to say on that, I guess about Adelaide United going forward, but I think we might save it for our end of year kind of recap and debrief, which will come after the grand final in a couple of weeks. Um, the other team, just quickly before we wrap this up, the other team that's through to the grand final is Melbourne City. They absolutely annihilated Sydney 4 0. I got a real I know I'm really sick of the City football group, but like I said to you guys, I fucking hate nothing more in Australia than Sydney FC in terms of sport. And it was great to see them get absolutely pumped 4 0. A Rod Well own goal. He had a mare. Um Bird just went and got himself sent off with a completely ridiculous tackle. And uh it was a capitulation by them. On uh, on last week's Red Edition, I sat here and spoke about how good I thought Sydney's centre-back combo had been since Rodwell had gone back there <laughs> and also told you that I thought Max Burgess had been great this year and would be in their top three <laughs> and, Ferris, and they've gone and had a mare and got themselves sent uh... off and scored an own goal and, and, had, a, and had a shocker. Um, yep. I got a big kick out of, I don't know if I sent it through to the group chat, 
with you, Tommy, and the NSF one or not, I can't remember. Uh, the email that Sydney FC supporters got sent today, Sydney FC members, um, that said, hi, you know, insert name, Sydney FC member. So we didn't quite make it to the grand final. And yes, it still hurts. But the football season is not over yet. And the A-Leagues is getting ready for a huge grand final between Melbourne City and Central Coast Mariners. The no A-Leagues way. is offering Sydney FC members an exclusive 20% discount on tickets for a short period if you'd like to attend the season finale and celebrate all things football. That's fucking gross, man. <laughs> and uh, just whatever. Oh, that's deplorable. You know what's even worse? They sent the same email to MacArthur members. It's just a New South Wales club to get if, off the of 2020. If, if Adelaide United had sent me an email this afternoon that started with, hi, Cooper, so we didn't <laughs> quite make it to the grand final. And yes, it still hurts, yeah. but here's 20% off a ticket for this festival of fucking fuck all. I am not, I'm not buying a membership next year. I've been seeing. Season ticket done. Just the festival of fuck all. That's brilliant. It's exactly yeah. what we're watching unfold. It's just the, the email that or the A-League's post during the week, the article um, that started, um, the full week of football festivities includes Friday night, A-League's grand final party, Saturday, A-League's grand final. Yeah. And they were still happy to call it a block full week, full week Hell of, of festivities. Week. I don't know if Danny only works two days a fucking week, but normal people like us work five days a week and there's seven <laughs> days in our weeks, Danny. So I wouldn't call it a full week, you fucking piss ant. That may not even be the most egregious thing they did. How's you alerted us to this? How's City getting the away bay for their home <laughs> yeah, grand final? Yeah. Melbourne City giving the away bay and Central Coast giving the home end safe standing in Parramatta. It's and really they price, they price the tickets differently. Yeah, so it's, Melbourne it's cheaper City for tickets, the Mariners. Yeah, Melbourne City hosting the grand final will have to pay an extra thirteen dollars to sit in the away end than the Mariners supporters do in the home end. It's just, yeah. I wonder. I'm really interested to see what, what they do change rooms wise after you know Danny's big spiel about whoever finishes higher on the ladder will still be the host of the grand final. You'll still be the home team. Oh, after just everything, in no way happened. that represents that you are the home team. It's really, really grim. Sydneyism. Sydneyism, there New it is. South Walesism, it's there. It's strong. It exists. Um, do either of you have anything on the game? If I can get it back to uh, the actual fixture itself, but City mm. were pretty clinical in this one when they needed to be, and they just once the red card happened, they just managed the game perfectly. Pretty much, yeah. The red card definitely gave it to them, and like you said, just the most ridiculous challenge. I thought it was the worst challenge I've seen all season in the A League. Just yeah, it wasn't great. And, you know, why did it require VAR to send him off? I mean, <laughs> just, <laughs> two, two, like two words, Sean, Sean Evans. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. Yeah, but outside of that, City are just, they're not invincible. And I keep I keep, I keep wondering if we're ever going to get an invincible A-League team and if City are going to be it. I mean, surely at one point they're going to do it and they're not going to lose all season. This isn't quite it. And we saw that in the previous leg where it looked like Sydney had a shout. They were probably the better team, but, yeah, they just rolled them. They're so in control all over the pitch. I mean, they had an extra man, so. Yeah. Do you think Do you think they're winning the grand final, Tommy? Yeah, because the Mariners don't have the greatest luck against Sydney historically, and they're a side that had just been there, done it kind of vibe. 
I really, I, I don't yeah. want to continue to to bring this back to this whole Sydneyism and, and continue to be negative about it constantly. But how much of an effect do you think that you know fifteen thousand? Don't tell Vince Regari, but 50, 15,000 Mariners fans appeared out of thin fucking air on the weekend and, and, and filled Central Coast Stadium to to the brims when they've averaged, you know, six to 7,000 people this season. You know, now they only have to drive up the, up the road to watch this game. Do you think we're going to have a significant Mariners presence in this crowd and it could potentially play a really big part in this game? They will definitely have a presence and it probably will G the Mariners fans up. But, you know, like outside of low-hanging fruit, like Melbourne City don't play in front of that many people anyway. And so I don't think that's going to make a huge difference to this side. This side is more, I think, about personal and club achievement than it is about doing it for the fans, so to speak. Uh, So I don't think that's going to affect them, but it will definitely give the Mariners an extra boost because they will have a huge contingent. They'll probably get. 15,000, yeah, 15, 20,000 people there in yellow. It'll look like a Mariners home final, which I think will be the most glaring um, example of why the grand final decision is so bad because it does lend itself to a situation like this. Yeah, um, no, I'm with you. I think City will be too good. Um, it's been a fairy tale for the Mariners, but I think it, I do think it ends here. Yeah, I think City get it done and get it done reasonably comfortably. Uh, there's a big Part of me that I know you love underdog stories in sports, but it's not, you know, Mariners did finish top four. It's not that much of an, un- what are they? No, they finished, they finished second. second. Yeah. yeah. It's, the top it's not two that big an underdog story. And I think it always happens. Pity, top two in the grand there's final. a big part of me that always thinks like the team that finishes top deserves it the most anyway. So hmm. let them have it anyway, as much as I don't like city, um, a kind of central coast, unfortunately at the moment are being lumped in with the rest of New South Wales for me and I just I wanted all collateral damage so yeah collateral damage um there's also I don't know if I've still got some carryover trauma from like my my two Boston teams finishing top and then just absolutely bottling it and losing and I just part of me thinks they deserve more but (laughs) we'll leave it there um we'll get back to we'll do a red edition in a couple of weeks I reckon just wrap up the A-League season and talk about Adelaide and where we go and some things like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good idea. We've got a few um, ideas for the off-season coming up as well, but keep on board. We've still got another week or two of a usual weekly pod, I reckon, for this season. So the green one, episode 114, should be out by the time you re- uh, you're hearing this. So keep an eye out for that as well. Have a good week, folks. See you later. Enjoy the grand final, everybody. Go football. Go football. Festival of fuck all.